to Romans chapter 8. Appreciate Nick reading the scripture reading this morning. Having those cons- those comments. And looking forward to <clears throat> a great verse in this chapter. All these verses are great, but uh, some verses are a little bit more than even others in regard to the comfort they provide and how well known that they are. And so we have come to one of the most assuring, securing, and strengthening verses in the book of Romans, and probably one of them in, you could say, the whole of Scripture. And that is verse 28 of Romans chapter 8 says this, And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. And it's my intent here to walk through this verse. And in a sense, there is each of these words of this verse are truly important and full of meaning. But really, to get a full sense or a proper sense and place of the verse, really want to look back at the context <clears throat> and look at what Paul has said here. Uh, Paul has been teaching us in order to strengthen us to walk through this life and to walk through the sufferings of this life. And this section of verses begins back in verse 17, where uh, back in that verse, Paul says that we are heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. You might remember that section there. And the wonderful truth of us being with Christ and heirs with Him. And he says... Fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. Sense there is that we are waiting for a glory that is not yet realized. The glorious future, and it's for everyone who is in Christ. But that glory is not right now. Our glory will be revealed with Christ at a future time. We have a glory in the future. But what is it, what are, what's for us right now? What do we face in the present time right now instead of, of glory? Well, you can see right there in that verse, it is the suffering. The suffering, if indeed we suffer with Him. But we've got to remember this, that our sufferings are working in us for an ultimate purpose. And the ultimate purpose of being glorified with Christ. Sufferings come first, and then glory. And as Christians, we are assured of life of suffering. We are followers of Christ. We follow in His steps. And as Christ suffered, so we are going to suffer. And since we're not with glory in Christ right now, that is for the future, but instead, since we live in suffering, Paul is going to give us knowledge that is going to strengthen us in the middle of our suffering so that we can persevere until we step into the glory of Christ. And that's what Paul is doing here in these verses. So in these next few verses, um, they break down into several sections in which Paul is going to encourage and assure us in the middle of our suffering. He starts off with a dogmatic statement in verse 18. Uh, back up there he says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory that is to be revealed to us. In other words, their suffering, <clears throat> that is the truth we can be assured of. And suffering can naturally do something in us. It can naturally discourage us. We can walk away 
or walk through those times with discouragement. But Paul assures us that even though we are to expect suffering, we are also assured of a certain knowledge that will keep us and strengthen us in the middle of our suffering. And these next few verses are the assurances of God's strengthening his people. And so far we've looked at a couple of um, <clears throat> points, a couple of two truths in these verses. The first one is there in verses 18 through 25. And the first assuring truth for believers is this. Believers who are in Christ hope for a great glory to come after suffering. So we mentioned before, you have this element of suffering first and then glory. And Paul makes a parallel with our suffering to something else that suffers. He brings out this aspect of creation. Creation... And remember, as we've gone over this, creation suffers as it waits for something. It's waiting for the revelation of the sons of God. You see that in verse 20. (coughs) Creation was subjected to futility, not willingly. And creation was put under the curse because of man's sin. And creation, like a living entity, groans and waits for the time when it will be set free from the curse, when the children of God are revealed or they are glorified. And that is yet to come. So, we too, like creation, we too groan in our spirits, waiting for our final adoption. And we have been placed in the position of sonship to God. Our sonship will culminate when our bodies are resurrected and we enter into our full inheritance. And our suffering at that point will then be over and our glory will be revealed when we are resurrected. And that hope keeps us strengthened in our suffering. There is this element, we're waiting for it, and we're looking forward to that time. And just that anticipation and that hope keeps us strengthened in Christ. The suffering causes us to groan for something. We groan for a time when we will be free, just like creation will be free, from sin and all sin's effects. And that groaning comes from within us. Do you groan? For a time when all of the sin and all of the suffering will be over. We do. And this forward view to a time like this is our hope. We hope for a time and we are waiting eagerly for it. And in turn, that gives us hope, gives us strength to endure. And we are waiting for that time, and we with perseverance are waiting eagerly for it. So that first truth is that believers, we who are in Christ, hope for a great glory to come after our suffering. The other truth, or the second truth that uh, uh, is stated here is in verses 26 and 27, where you've got this for uh, suffering believers. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. And in the middle of our suffering, we realize the extent of our weaknesses. We realize that, you know, as we're walking through this, we are pretty weak. And the first weakness of which we have is that we do not know how to pray. We, uh, we come before the Lord and we just simply don't know how to pray. And the Spirit helps us in that when He takes up our groans. It's like he, uh, our prayers are, are made to God and He takes up our prayers and with them intercedes or pr- uh, prays for us before the Father. 
And do we realize, do we realize the privilege this is to be in Christ? For those who are in Christ, we have all the all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving, all-sufficient, eternal, good, and merciful God knowing exactly what is going on. And he is bending, as it were, low to hear us. And it's not just us who he hears. He, the Father, our Father, is in direct communion with his Holy Spirit. He is hearing us um, as his Spirit is praying. And this is greater than any other help that's out there. Every time the Spirit prays to the Father on our behalf, God answers that request exactly as it was prayed. Not once has the Spirit ever prayed for anyone on anyone's behalf that was not answered in perfect union with God's will. This is the assurance we have that cannot be matched by any other help out there. So, brings us down to our verse here. So, if the Holy Spirit is praying for you in the middle of everything that is going on in your life, including all the suffering that you're experiencing, and the Father is working in your behalf on those, based on those prayers, what can we expect in our lives? And what we can expect in our lives is these verses, verses 28 through 30. We're going to focus simply on that verse 28. But the truth is this, for suffering believers, God is working in every single event in your life for good. Every single event in your life. He is working that for good. And from the very outset, I want to mention that I've got to confess something here. I do not know how to fully explain this. What we have here is we are entering into a mystery that is wonderful and assuring. But to completely explain this is truly beyond me. It is true, and it is good, and it is for us. And I trust that we will be encouraged here as we look at these things. And so... Um, and I as mentioned before that every word of this verse is full of truth and of meaning. So let's look at it here. First of all, <clears throat> we don't want to pass up these words that are mentioned in the very beginning where it says, where Paul says, and we know. Paul's going to go in and give us then some foundational truths that are going to help us. And throughout <clears throat> Uh, this knowing, this truth that we're going to look at today is going to strengthen us to persevere while we are suffering during this present time before we are glorified with Christ. Knowing these things. And really, throughout this passage in the previous chapters in Romans, Paul has continually exhorted us to know certain truths. So we're going to pause on those first few first three words where it says, and we know. He is saying things, he's saying these truths, even in other places where he says things like, or do you not know? Don't you know certain things? Or this is something that you should know. It's like he is taking that phrase <clears throat> and he is uh, exhorting us that we should know something already. Like, we should know um, that we are in Christ. And uh, back in chapter 6, if you want, I'm going to go back there and <clears throat> look at a couple of these passages that have this phrase where it says, and we know certain things. In chapter 6, in verse 3, he does say there, Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized due to his death? It's like, as I mentioned, that you, he's, he's assuming there's this foundational truth that we should know. And this knowledge is necessary in order to build on other knowledge that will set for you a building and a structure of truth. 
it's um, <clears throat> these these foundational things should be in our hearts, in our minds, as we come to know Him. It's kind of like me saying to my son, you know, if you're going to drive, do you not know how to change a flat tire? There are certain things that you just should know um, as you're going along and learning certain things. Well, here in these spiritual truths, these are the things that Paul is saying to us. Through all these chapters, Paul has set forth the knowledge of the truth as the means for our growth in Christ. Knowing certain things will help us to grow, will be the means for us to grow. We are pursuing Christ and growing in Him. Well, how do you do that? We grow by knowing truth and considering it to be so. Knowing truth and considering it. And you see this in chapter 6 here. I think Romans 6 is one of the clearest examples of Paul's teaching in this way as a means of growing in Christ. And uh, I want to look at it briefly to see how he does this. And he says there are three things in chapter 6 that we should know and consider. And if you know and consider these three things, those the conclusion will be drawn from that knowledge, and you will have the strength not to obey sin, and instead to grow in righteousness. So this is somewhat of an example for us as we're looking at these things. Verse 3, as we mentioned, you've got where he says, you know, you're knowing, knowing that we've been baptized into Jesus' death. In verse 6, he says, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with Christ. So you've got baptized into Christ, Our old self was crucified with him. Verse 9, he says, Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again, death no longer is master over him. Death no longer has power over Christ. So you've got, we're baptized into him. Our old self was crucified with him. Death has no longer any power over Christ. And since those things are true, verse 11, he says, Even so, now consider yourselves to be dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. It's like you've got this knowledge. You've got the basis of these things. Now in verse 11, consider them to be so. And the knowledge of verses 3, 6, and 9 set the foundation for us. Once you have understood those truths, Paul exhorts us to consider them to be true. And if those things are so, and you consider verse to be true as well, then you will be changed not to walk in sin, but instead to walk in righteousness. It is the knowledge of these things that changes us. We change by using our minds and meditation and thinking and following the thoughts of Paul. We are changed by thinking God's thoughts after himself. This is the way that God works in us. And Paul is doing this all throughout these chapters that we just saw here in chapter 6. If you look down at verse 16... He says there, do you not know? And he goes on to talk about it. I'm just going to point out these places. Verse, or chapter 7 and verse 1. Again, or do you not know? Chapter 7, verse 14. He says, therefore, we know certain things. Verse 18. He says, for I know. And so forth. Verse uh, chapter 8, down in verse 18, closer to our passage where he says, For I then consider certain things. And then verse 22, again he says, For we know other things there that talking about creation. And all the way through these passages, Paul is saying that the knowledge of these things is going to work in us something that only God can do and by His Spirit changes us. So this truth here, this reality in verse 28, that we know these things, which is that God is causing all things to work together for good. 
So this passage is not simply a trite saying that we can say to one another when something bad happens. Now, what Paul is doing here is he is giving us a foundation on which when something does go bad, we can meditate on, we can think about that we know for sure is true. And it is that strengthening that God gives us to know him and to know his ways. And so first of all, then, we know these things. Well, what is it that we know? And the first point here is that God causes. God is causing something. There's no mistake here what is being communicated. And it is this, that God is at work. The first thing we must set on our minds and hearts is the reality that God is causing something in our lives. He is working in us. The things that are going around us are not by chance. This is not random chance. The events that occur are not somehow independent of anyone or anything and are somehow bringing about good or bad in our lives. You know, our culture loves to imagine that some unknown higher power um, or unknown source is orchestrating everything so that there are you know, good wins and evil loses somehow. And uh, there's an example of this. It's a popular false teaching called karma. The teaching says that if you can have either good or bad karma, both Hinduism and Buddhism teach this kind of thing that events and actions in your life now have some ethical consequences for your uh, life in the next. And this teaching of karma says that if you do good now, somehow that good decision or action determines the nature of your next life. Well, this is false. Karma, it also has a secondary meaning that that, uh, the events or consequences that happen in your life right now are directly related to other good or bad events that exist and or happen around you. It's, uh, it's kind of like this. It's like you, um, let's say you're looking for a parking spot in a store and you choose to get into this parking spot, but you pull in and see someone has graffitied all over the light uh, post and maybe even the area around your parking spot. Like you've got this graffiti around there. And uh, this, you know, this teaching, this false teaching says that, you know, if you're in that spot, somehow it's created bad karma. And watch out as you get out of your car because something might, bad might happen to you. Like as if the graffiti somehow plays a part in the actions and activities around you for good or bad. So if you see, uh, you know, graffiti on around... <clears throat> and you've not had a good and you've not been good that day bad things that happen to you are bad karma that is absolutely false there is no such thing we should reject it and have nothing to do with that kind of teaching it's in direct conflict with this verse this verse is referring to what god is doing nothing is by luck or by chance And once you begin to think in terms of luck or chance, you are outside of the scriptures. But we need to bring all of our understanding, all of our mindset into the reality that whatever happens in our lives, whether good or bad, is in the hand of God. It is in His hand. We know that it is God, God Himself, who is working sovereign control over all things. And he's working on purpose in every detail of our lives. Every detail of our life is on purpose, is providential by the direct hand of God himself. So we know that God causes. Well, what is he causing? He's causing all things to work together for good. Notice <clears throat> that he, it is God doing this. He is orchestrating. 
God has orchestrates all of the things that are going on in your life, the good, and he is orchestrating all of the suffering that's going on in your life and everything else to accomplish his good purpose. And we do want to notice here <clears throat> that what God is doing, the verse does not say God causes all things, period. <clears throat> and this is where the mystery comes in. God is not causing all things. God is not the cause of sin. So what is he saying? He's saying that God causes all things to work together for good. Working together. So <clears throat> when we're talking about the reality of all things, what is it, what is included in that all things? What do you think is included? Well, anything under the sovereign hand of God's control. This is utterly, comprehensively, having no qualifications or limits. This all things reaches every aspect of our life, whether good or bad, whether we groan a little or we groan a lot. This statement by God himself directs our thoughts to realize that we are talking about everything that happens. No event or circumstance can be excluded. He, everything that happens is not able to escape the loving, omnipotent, and sovereign hand of God. <clears throat> and what I'm going to do here is I'm going to take some time to expand our understanding of all that is going on around us that is uh, truly outside of our control. You know, we think we have things under our control. We're constantly trying to get things to go the way we want them to go. We're trying to set up everything according to our plans. But the reality is that God is providentially working or allowing circumstances in your life for a reason. And it's for a good reason. His purposes are working in your life for good, for your good, and His glory. So, to be specific, <clears throat> let's walk through some of these things. And when I do this, I'm trying to touch everybody here in some aspect of your life, in some way, and probably in several ways. Well, the first reality is this. This is talking about all of the good things that happen in your life. He is working in those and when we talk about good things, we're talking about those things from a good God, God Himself. Um, his power, His wisdom, faithfulness, His goodness, every attribute of His person, those things that He is uh, by His nature, um, those things that are coming to us by Him, those are good and those are by His hand for us. His Word is good for us and to us. Every teaching or preaching opportunity that you're hearing that comes from the Word and is faithful to that Word is good. We know that uh, His children, God's children, brothers and sisters in Christ, are being used, we're being used in one another's lives for good <clears throat> and the good things that are coming in that way. God provides for us, whether it's money, food, shelter, good health, all of these things by His hand, they are being used of His hand for good. And then we have all of the things that are uncontrollable circumstances that are around us are being used for good. I think the first point we could all pretty much agree and kind of nod our head and say, yes, those are all good things. They're good things by God. They're working for our good. But what about this? Uncontrollable things. How about the family you were born into? Think of the brothers and sisters, your siblings, your parents that you have. How about the personality that you were given? Certain things about you, like, are you tall? Are you short? Are you physically attractive? Or 
unattractive. How about the intellect and talents that you have? The job opportunities that are given or not given to you. Or the reality if you have found someone to marry or you have not married. The number of children you have or don't. All of those things truly that are, that are outside or uncontrolled uh, circumstances that are around us, all of those things are included in this little phrase, all things. <coughs> Excuse me. This also includes all the recent sufferings that you are experiencing right now. <clears throat> Here's a question for you. How, think of your life right now. How did you get into the present sufferings that you are experiencing? And this can be just a myriad of things. There's the natural bad things that can happen. When we look around us, there's kind of these natural things like you could be attacked by an animal. There could be an accident like a, <clears throat> a tree falls and uh, damages or injures you. It could be uh, things like storms, wind, hail, lightning, floods, tornadoes. Or even recently, like we really saw in Florida, hurricanes. Think of all those people that experienced that hurricane, uh, hurricanes that came through. All of those things. There's machines that break down, appliances that no longer function, <clears throat> that are bad things that happen around us, your lawnmower or even your computer that doesn't work. There's accidents that happen, car accidents which someone else's fault or your fault. Your car gets damaged or you become injured in the accident itself. You can have a house fire and you've got to deal with the damage. You lose everything. You end up with smoke inhalation. There's accidents that leave people permanently disabled in some way. You could cut off a finger, something more serious, uh, where you're left paralyzed and can no longer move. <clears throat> you can have a, um, everything from things like a, there's a big trip you've got planned and the car breaks down and you miss your flight or the weather completely ruins the opportunity. There are these things that happen all around us all the time that can cause these kinds of sufferings. Every aspect or every single situation of that is in this verse where we know that all things, <clears throat> God is working all things together for good. There's, of course, the health problems and issues that we have. Physical accidents, broken legs, disease, bodily failure, things like cere <clears throat> cerebral palsy, muscular dystrophy, multiple sclerosis, brain injury, stroke, heart disease, Manic depression, heart attack, stroke, cancer, infection. And this list could go on and on and on. It can include what we've recently known, the COVID, the sickness from that, being in the hospital, <laughs> reoccurring or long-term issues. All of these things are mentioned, are somewhat to expect in this life. <clears throat> and all of these things that are bad, some of them are even tragedies. In each of these situations, we need to come back to the reality that God is going to use all of these things for good. But what about those things that are more personal to us? Here we've listed all these things that could happen, but what about <clears throat> the more personal things? What about sin? When the scripture says all things, does it also include when people sin? And this is truly the mystery and power of God. God is not the author of sin. He cannot sin. And no sin originates with him. But he is sovereign over sin. Yes, He is sovereign over all things, including all sin everywhere. And let your mind just expand to the limitless 
unbound and all-powerful wisdom and power of God. There are those sinful things that happen to us. People sin against us. And it's even in those sinful things against us that he is working. It's, it's uh, you know, we could go down the line of all the different scenarios that this we're talking about here as well. You've got strangers. Strangers sin against us. You might be driving along and someone just gets angry at you. Or someone tries to steal things from you by email, text, or phone, and they somehow get into your, um, <clears throat> get into your system, steal money. Perhaps your identity gets stolen, or even simply just your purse or your wallet. There are people, the strange, strangers that, that where they come and they just sin against you in this way. Is that what God is talking about when he says all things? And the answer is yes. What about the government? The government sinning against us. Sometimes the IRS makes a mistake and comes after you. Or sometimes the IRS doesn't make a mistake. And it's your negligence or ignorance that lands you in trouble. All things are working together for good. <clears throat> the government might come after believers. This happens um, uh, not so much in our country, although it has happened, but in around the world where governments go after believers and begin to punish and persecute and try to force God's people to conform in some unbiblical way. People become political prisoners. There's unjust punishments. Freedoms are taken away. And these are the things that we consider and can and must consider as we walk through this life and realize that these are the things that God is working together. <clears throat> what about your coworkers? What about the coworkers that insult you and demean and belittle you? Perhaps it's that person that you thought was friendly and suddenly turns on you. They start talking about you in ways uh, to deliberately cut you down. Or your boss becomes unreasonable. Or you some, simply lose your job suddenly. <coughs> I just learned about a company like this this morning. There's this company called United Furniture Industries. And this past week, right before Thanksgiving, 2,700 employees in the company, they send out an email to everybody in the company, you no longer have a job, do not show up to work the next time you're scheduled to come in. Jobs gone. <clears throat> Is God working in those situations? He is. He's working those things, in those things. <coughs> Excuse me. You can have family situations where siblings, an aunt, an uncle, a cousin, a grandparent, parent, child, or grandchild, or spouse, or whoever, and they sin against you. How many ways could sin enter into those relationships? It really is endless. When you think of it, the insults, the slander, all the things, the abuse, and even sexual abuse that can come in. <clears throat> all those things. And it could even be within a church family where you've got people here and <clears throat> there's diversity in a church, which is good. But that diversity means you've got different backgrounds, different ways of doing things, different perspectives, different motivations. There is a lot of opportunity for people to be offended. And you or someone else can unknowingly offend. And we can do that <clears throat> even in a church. And here, now it comes down to this. You've got all those bad circumstances all the situations, the sinful things that go around us. Now, what about this? What about your sin? What about your sin? All of your failings and even all of your deliberate sin against the Lord. 
And you know yourself and the depths of your sin. And here's the reality. God causes all things to work together for good. We all live in this life and these things are going on around us. And I came across a quote Excuse me, that I think is really helpful. It's by R.C. Sproul. He's a pastor and teacher. Uh, he's actually passed away by, um, uh, at this time, but he's got a lot of good teaching out there. And one of the things he said in the relationship to this was this. Under the providence of God, under his sovereignty over human events, God has the power to bring good out of evil. And this is a glorious thing. All of the bad that we as Christians are called upon to suffer in this world, in which things are truly bad, under the sovereign power of God, these bad instances are being used by God to work in our lives for our ultimate good. So when we view these evil actions, they are evil and having no redemptive virtue in them. But from the ultimate perspective, it is good that they are happening because God is using them for His ultimate purposes. This is happening by the providence, providential hand of God. There are actions that our sinful human beings carry out that are done out of willful rebellion against God, and they are bad in themselves. Even our sin... The providence of God is at work, and He has the power to trump our evil inclinations, our evil desires, and in spite of ourselves, to bring good to pass. And that's the end of this quote there. And that is the reality of what is going on in our lives when we consider and think about what God is able to do. All things work together for good. (coughs) Excuse me. The words work together are actually one word there in the verse that means to bring together various elements to bring out about a completely different effect. So you've got these events or effects that are going on. And the effect that results is greater than the single elements together. We actually get our word synergize from this word. God is active in all of these events and circumstances. And he is taking all of those events, the good and the bad, and working or coordinating all of those things to accomplish good in our lives. He knows you. And his sovereign hand is working to accomplish his purpose in your life. And this is the mysterious power and working of God in our lives. And it's working for his purpose. The whole globe, when you think of the earth, the whole globe is full of sin and death. You can't go anywhere on this earth without death being around you everywhere. Living things are dying all around us all the time. The whole globe is full of sin. Sin is just everywhere. Just think to yourself for a moment and consider how much sin do you do? Well, how much does the person next to you sin? How about 8 billion people on the earth? When you think of all of that sin, in spite of all that sin, God is working. He's sovereignly working to bring about His purposes in all things, and in specifically, your life. This is power and knowledge and grace beyond our imagination. That God is able to do this and work in this way. So God is working all things together for good. What does it mean when God says, for good? Well, the good that God is working is in line with His purposes. And the good that is being worked out is not centered on our comforts. God does does comfort us and He meets our needs, but there is a far greater purpose going on. We're actually going to look more fully at what that good is in another message, in a future message. 
But the good relates back to verse 17. If you look back in verse 17, he says, There, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. The good that he is talking about is reference to that glory. We, again, are looking forward to a glory. And Paul says that no matter what our circumstances, our suffering circumstances, the glory far outstrips the suffering that we experience now. The good is in conjunction with his purpose, and his purpose is, as it says in verse 29 and 30, here's part of this reality of his goodness. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, here it is again, he also glorified. That is the ultimate purpose and good that all of this is going, is driving for. Well, who is this for? Who are the ones that this is for? How do you know if you are part of this group? Well, you know you are part of this group that all things are working for good because you've got this. Those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. (coughs) Excuse me. (coughs) Not everyone has the assurance that everything is being worked out together for good for them. It's only for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And so, you know, we might get nervous thinking about what we must do to some great deed, or maybe we've got to accomplish something great in order for God to be working in this way. What is it, what great work that we need to do? Well, it is for these kind of people. It is for those people who love God. That's it. This is not complicated. And from our perspective, it is for those who love God. Well, how do you know if you love God? Well, think of this. Jesus clarified, clarifies this for those who love him in John 8, 42. In John 8, uh, Jesus was talking to the Pharisees, and he was going back and forth with them. And he said this, <clears throat> If God were your father, you would love me, for I proceeded forth and have come forth from God. For I have not even come on my own initiative, but he sent me. In other words, he's looking, he's, he's looking at the Pharisees and he's telling them, if you love God, you would love me, because I am from God. Everything, in other sense... Everything you see in Jesus Christ, you are looking and seeing and knowing God himself. And instead of loving Jesus, what did they do? They looked at him and said, you have a devil. I mean, they're going exactly the opposite of what the reality was. And when you consider Jesus Christ... When you know who he is, when you understand his ways and see him in the Gospels and you learn of him throughout the New Testament, here's a simple question for you. Do you love him? Do you love him? You see him and you love him. All right? If you are loving him, you are in this verse. This is is for you. You can rest assured that every single event in your life is being orchestrated and uh, worked out 
by God for good. You have that assurance. And the other perspective is this. Those who are the called according to his purpose. And this calling is not the general call to all the world. This is God's electing specific call to those whom he has chosen in Christ. And you can be assured of this. If you love God, you have been called by him. This is his work in us. And this is his purpose. God is doing something. He has a plan and is irrevocably moving toward the intended purpose, which is going to display his glory in a blazing light. And you are part of that work that he is doing. He is orchestrating every single event in your life to the end that it will lift himself up to the highest position. And that is the summing up of all things in Christ. That's part of the good that we're talking about. And it's a mystery. This mystery is when in the end you will look back on your life and see God's unmistakable, His powerful, good hand and it will be all to the praise of Him and truly, eternally be good for you. All things are working together for good. God is working in every single event in your life for good. This is the assurance for those who are in Christ. Every event, including any and every tragedy, is working, is being worked together for good. We can be assured about this, that we can trust in our loving, sovereign God who is doing these things, who is working in us. We can trust in Him. Consider all that is going going on right now in your life. Where are you in life? What's going on in your life right now? You can have the assurance that this is going on. This reveals the work of God in us, and it's truly the amazing hand of God. And as we are walking, as we are uh, traveling, as we were through this life and experiencing all these things, this is the mindset. This is what we know, right? And we know this, that God is working. And by that knowledge, we can trust in Him. In, in all these things by His grace. So let's do that. Let's be trusting in Him and growing in that trust in Him every day. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer.